Hello, my name is Vance Need, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast and YouTube series focused on interviewing pastors and professors, as well as other leaders from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Today, I'm very excited to be having a conversation with you as it relates to Bible study. And if you're a watcher or a listener of this show, of this podcast, you know that I am not the normal host, and that's because the normal host is the guest today, Pastor Brandon Briscoe. Hello to your own show. Thank you, Van. Is it is it awkward? It's hard. Cool. It's very hard. This yeah. side is much harder than that side. Yep. Yeah. Just, yep. Yeah. It is. So, but I'll be all right. I think, I think this is a topic be. that that will go smoothly and I think people will enjoy. And so it'll be easy to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about Bible study today. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways in which people think about Bible study. And we think about Bible study. I don't mean to be overly facetious. We think about it as studying the Bible, opening up the actual Bible and studying it. Maybe before we get into anything else, can you just tell us the importance of consistent Bible study? Yeah. And and maybe before I go down that track, I think we need to parse the difference between what uh, we refer to as Bible study and actually the, the idea of the Bible study taking place mm-hmm. because we refer to Bible study as an, as an entity or a group or a, a community of believers. We call that Bible study. Yeah. It's a term that was coined because once upon a time they, they studied the Bible in community groups and fellowship teams and whatever, cell groups or whatever they call them. There's mm-hmm. a million different names for it now. But I think the intention... Uh, of these groups has changed a lot over the time in cultural Christianity and in America. And so when people would come together once upon a time, they would open the Bible and they would study it together. But, you know, today, I think uh, the emphasis has been more on what they would refer to as fellowship and building community. And I think it's really robbed uh, the foundation from people who really need it, who yeah. need to be established and, uh, and people do need fellowship and people do need friendships. They need deep relationships with people in their churches. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we're losing something by not centering that around God's word. Yeah. And so Bible study is critical. It's critical for the individual. But I think uh, a Bible study group is the context in which many people learn how to handle God's word so that they, when they step into their personal lives, uh, it's a seamless understanding of how to divide God's word, and and so I, I think yeah, Bible study is critical. Uh, it is it's the life of the believer. It is how we are transformed through the megazord, yes, uh, the merging of the spirit to the word, mm-hmm. right? Coming together as one. Um, that is how li- Christian lives are transformed. Yes. That's how we become what we need. What we need to be. Um, I, I'm trying to use as many nerdy references Please. as yes. possible. That was a Power Rangers reference, by the way. Um, yeah. I was using that for Van's sake because I, he's really into that kind of stuff. I appreciate it. And it's taken me this long to get the mental picture away and come back to you and focus <laughs> on what I'm doing here. And what I mean is things conjoining together. Yeah. We, the, it's, the spirit is required mm-hmm. uh, for us to understand God's word, but God's word is necessary. The revelation of God's word is necessary for the Holy Spirit to have his way with the life of the believer. Yeah. And so we need Bible study personally, but the small group is where the person, the, 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 culture of personal study is developed. Yeah. Just like we have prayer meetings, right? We have a corporate prayer meeting and it's critical that people pray together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 
pictured for us over and over and over again in Scripture. But the work of praying together produces in us a, a personal lifestyle of prayer as well, where the importance, you know, it, it, it evolves out and it moves out into our lives and it becomes a seamless part of who we are. That's how Bible study should work too. Yeah. And I think a couple of things that you said there are key. It's one of the things that's important is the transparency aspect. There's mm-hmm. nowhere to hide. Even if a church is a small church on Sunday, you mm-hmm. can hide. Oh, but a Bible study... There's interaction. Uh, you come to face what you know and what you don't know, what normative Christian fellowship looks like and what mm-hmm. it doesn't look like. And you do have to start contributing or else it's just perpetually awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No no one wants to stay in that situation where they're they're meeting but not apart, you know? Yeah. Um, but th- that's that's the beauty of it is that the point that you, re- you realize the significance of coming together around God's word. It is potentially the most transformative experience that you could have. You know, it functions the way discipleship does just in a group, group context. Yeah. So, so as it relates to that coming together around God's word, we are, are fans of the discovery Bible method. Yeah. And uh, maybe you could start off by telling us uh, how you came into contact with it and what has been the impact of that in your life. Okay. I grew up doing Bible study, you know, Uh, I was in the college and young adult ministry of Sam Miles, uh, I guess that would have been almost 20 years ago. And we came up doing Bible study a particular way. We referred to it as soldiers of truth. You know, it was a as SOT for short, but that was just like a, a, a name we gave to personal Bible study. And the way that it would work was, um, you know, at 18 or 19 years old, I was told, look, go study the Bible. And then you're going to come back next week for a small group for Bible study and you're going to present uh, what you studied for five minutes. Uh, for a young man, that was a very scary thing to do. Yes. Uh, I didn't know how to study the Bible, A. That's that's a big part of it. Kind of important. Kind of important. Yeah, yeah. And B, I was deathly afraid of, of talking about what I didn't know in front of people. Mm-hmm. And so I learned over time because I was committed and it was good for me. It was refining. It was like fire, you know, and uh, I had a great small group leader. And, but that's how I came up. And that culture has kind of followed MBT into the church plant and into the early years. And uh, it has its place. Um, we still do personal Bible study in the summers and in Kaya, the small groups still do personal study where they have to go study and come back and present. Mm-hmm. And there's a place for that uh, for believers who have the chops for it. But it was a, it was an intimidating thing, and I recognized that. Um, now I was the I was the youth pastor here before I was the college and young adult pastor, and I recognized at a certain point, it, you know, and probably it was like maybe 2014, 13, 14, that there was a need for us to fellowship. And Sam had just gotten back from a missions trip to Europe, and he saw missionaries were using this thing called Discovery Bible Method. And it was a way to be evangelical um, and to process biblical content with a group of people that might not even be saved, right? That could run the spectrum of, of an individual who doesn't know Christ to, to someone who's known Christ for 20 or 30 years. They can all fit within the context. It was a structure that allowed for that. And uh, he thought it was great. And so I wanted to try it out. And we needed an opportunity to gather around God's word with a, without a whole lot of... Um, of expectation. I don't know. Youth ministry is an experience that's exhausting Mm -hmm. and you're always pouring in and you're always 
like prepared. You have to always be prepared and ready to, to go. And I wanted to create an environment where there was not a whole lot of pressure for people to show up. They just, I just wanted them to be there. And we would study the word together. Let's yeah. just do it together. And by accident, what was supposed to be just a time of fellowship in God's word turned into, because I believe because the structure of discovery Bible method, and we were open to it, mm-hmm. it became an evangelical group. And in probably, you know, I would say it was probably five years of that study. We saw something like 40 or 50 people come through that Bible study and we accidentally spawned new Bible studies. Yeah. Like it was never the intention, but the the way that the Bible study works, because it's invitational, it's come as you are, that's how people came. And they we watch people get sanctified and grow and then move on and start new Bible studies. In fact, you were in my Bible study. I was. You weren't a counselor in the ministry. You just showed up. I was a rando dude. Random dude. <laughs> um, and you came. And then over time, you ended up, you and Brian Bustos started a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was never the agenda or objective, yeah. but it just happened because Discovery Bible Method uh, promotes that. And so to, to continue to work to make the story short... When I got into the college and young adult ministry, they were still doing this SOT personal Bible study approach. And I noticed that there was a lack of evangelism in the ministry overall. At the time, there was probably five or six Bible studies. Dan Renault was the, the pastor. He had done an amazing job establishing those groups. And, and uh, there was a lot of depth on the bench of those Bible studies. And so what I felt the Lord was calling me to do was to divide up the talent and to spread the love. And so we started taking the philosophy of church planting mm-hmm. and superimposing that philosophy that we hold to in terms of church planting, superimposing that over Bible studies. And uh, we started praying about it. We started to divide and conquer, and we were using discovery Bible method as the approach to studying the Bible and conducting our meetings. And uh, in the five years I've been in ministry, we've seen, we've gone from five or six Bible studies to we're on the cusp of 34, 35 wow. Bible studies. And that's, that's God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from prayer. This is, this is a, a work of, of faith and prayer and the movement of God's hand. But I do believe that he gave us Discovery Bible Method as a strategic approach. And I think that it is a, a benefit and an asset to the way that we do things. Yeah. So that's kind of the story of how I got there. Now you said something there. I, I do want to talk about um, kind of the logistics around how it is done. Mm -hmm. But I think you said something really important, which is that there is a church planting aspect or a mentality, which would lead us to believe that then there are some character qualities that we're looking at from just Bible study leaders in general. I don't think you can separate those. What what are some of those things that are important to you from that aspect? So this is kind of a big question in that I think— not every ministry can afford to think about things the way that I do. Mm -hmm. So I can only tell things from my perspective and my vantage point. And it's rooted in what I believe about the young people that I minister to. So I've learned over time uh, to hold people to high expectations. And I believe that God wants to raise up a generation uh, in Kansas City of church planners that are going to plant churches all over the world. And I believe that uh, I won't go into all the details of what what I I feel like God is doing and and wants to do, but I believe that my primary responsibility is to to repeatedly raise up 
a generation in a sustainable way, raise up generation after generation of young people to go and to plant churches all over the world. So I'm starting from that premise. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a way to do that, right? There has to be training mechanisms and experiences that I have to expose them to in order for them to be prepared for that kind of work because it's lofty, Mm -hmm. right? And Bible study has become the mechanism for exercising the things that they're, they're, they're learning and growing in. So we have discipleship. That's a critical mentorship oriented piece. It's Absolutely. that introductory piece. We, we disciple. And then we funnel young people into LFBI because that's a continued academic approach to discipleship where they're learning God's word and, and they're getting those things under their belt. So that's, that's a kind of expected, you know, is that young people would be an LFBI, but they also need to recognize, um, their usefulness in ministry. And so we have to find ways in which they can experience leadership uh, on a scale. So right now we've got, there's a a room full of six people here, um, all of which are in or have been in Kaya. You know, among these young people, they're serving this morning and they recognize that that's their responsibility as leaders. They're here to serve because they want to help produce a show that is edifying and, and and can promote the Bible Institute. That's why they're here. That's their their call. But as time passes, they'll continue to grow in their leadership responsibilities, either here in this ministry or somewhere else. And so you're constantly making avenues for growth as people, you know, get stronger. Yeah. The Bible study is an environment for that. And um, so the expectations are high. And, and so, you know, I want all of my Bible study leaders to have had a successful experience discipling someone else. I want all of the Bible study leaders to have been faithful previously to another Bible study. I want to know that they're fruitful in terms of evangelism. Um, I want to know that they've taken introduction to biblical counseling because it's their responsibility as Bible study leaders to be shepherds to their flock. And um, when people have issues. I need to know that they know how to respond to them without coming and chasing me down and, and making me responsible for every, you know, every single situation that they face. And so, uh, you know, I'm looking for that among leaders within the groups. Bible study leaders themselves are supposed to be actively looking for those people that are faithful. Mm -hmm. So every Bible study leader has someone that's a Bible study leader in training. And, and so those are, those are kind of the, the, the basics of the expectations. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, the belief is that if you can plant a Bible study and you can see it grow and multiply, then uh, as a leader, uh, that's what you would be doing on a foreign field mm-hmm. or in a church planning scenario. You would be God, you, letting God use you to reproduce that very, very thing somewhere else in another city. Uh, now we're approaching what it might look like to, to be a part of a church planting team. Yeah. You so. can't do what you're going to do there if you're not going to do it here. That's exactly right. So then let's talk about the logistics behind what happens in the Discovery Bible okay. Method. So uh, I'm, I'm brand new, and, I, and, and I've shown up. Some, some uh, really cool-looking uh, rando Kaya kid has invited me yeah, yeah. 15, uh, 15 years ago, me, so I'm not like the 40-year-old creeper, <laughs> has invited me to a Bible study. Uh, what am I going to do when I get there? There's a framework around that. Okay. And again, maybe this is less, you know, we haven't really even started talking about Discovery Bible Method that much, but I think these are things worth noting is that when you have a Bible study and you're responsible for a Bible study, the environment needs to be conducive to inviting lost people in so that when they show up, you're not, they're not invited to some like burnout basement, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's got to be a place that is that promotes learning and, it's gotta and be friendship. Inviting. It's got to be inviting. Yeah. And so you want to have food. Um, you want to have comfortable seating. You want to have enough space for growth. You want your uh, your established growing leaders sitting with those that they've invited. Um, so there's no clicking in mm-hmm. the context. So there's no, you know, people don't get to isolate one another. Their, their responsibility, people know their responsibility is to be inviting to lost people. There has to be prayer. Um, some time has to be devoted to calling upon God. Uh, there has to be some, even if it's minimal time of fellowship and conversing just to, for people to get to know one another. These are all components that are critical to any Bible study. Right. When they are overemphasized to the neglect of God's word, well, it's no longer a Bible study anymore. You have something else. It's a, it's a hang. It's a hangout. And uh, there's a place for that. That's totally fine. Um, I don't have a problem with that. But, but the point is that when we meet for Bible study, there has to be a balance in terms of the allocation of time and, and energy. And so, you know, prayer and fellowship might take a slight back seat, uh, even though they're critical parts. They might take a slight back seat to the focus on study and 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 the study and the opening of God's word. Okay, in terms of the structure. Mm-hmm of the way that the Bible study needs to go, the DBM study needs to go, is that first and foremost, you're dealing, and we'll come back to this, I think you wanted to talk about this, the difference between teacher and facilitator. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a big, it's a critical part of this. It's, it's really a, important. Yeah, so we'll come back to that. But the night will begin, you come together, you pray, uh, and then you read the passage. The, the way that we do it, and you could do it differently, is that everybody reads it silently and then they read it together as a group, kind of popcorning around the circle, if you will. And and each person takes a verse until the passages have been, the passage has been completed in terms of its reading. And this twice through allows people to process twice, once internally, once externally. And then from there, the facilitator who's supposed to be prepared, they're the Bible study leader and they should be prepared. We'll come back to that. But they'll, they'll have the what we refer to as a passage that's been chunked out or sectioned, divided out based on concepts that they see within the, within the study. Mm-hmm. And they'll have a bunch of questions and a bunch of guiding things that they want to help them lead through the night. They'll have that prepared in front of them. The very first question we always ask though is, what is the theme of the passage? So now that we've read it twice, What's the theme of what we're reading? Um, and then everyone, we, you know, we promote everyone participating in establishing the theme. It might be based on repetition of words or ideas. Um, maybe there's a standout thematic verse that people want to present. And then the facilitator synthesizes what they've received and they present that as the theme for the passage. And then they begin to move forward in studying in specificity the totality of each section. Right. So, so um, okay, now that we've established the theme, let's go back to that first chunk, that first passage, and let's go through it and walk through it. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll talk about all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. okay, based on the questions they've already established. Um, what do these words mean? Um, how does this fit within the broader context of the book? Uh, what ways in which can we, can we see this concept paralleled in the gospels or something that Christ taught in a parable, right? Uh, is this, whatever word it is we're studying, is it shadowed somewhere in the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. Um, can we find a first mention of this word? 
in order to help us better understand the concept? What are some doctrinal patterns that we find? Here's how you use a concordance, okay? Let's use our concordance and let's see if we can't find other times this English word is used in order for us to establish what this means. And so you're introducing all of these Bible study principles that we learn in Foundations 2 and 3, and we're employing them out loud in the context of the group so that everyone is very, very, uh, it's being modeled for them. It's very introductory, but everybody can participate and learn how to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. So even, I mean, honestly, even lost people are learning principles of Bible study, which, praise the Lord. It's, yeah. it's a mind-boggling thing. So there's a couple of things, lots of um, lo- lots to unpack there. But okay. I, I think you said a word which is key, which I know we'll talk about, but a facilitator. Uh, this idea that this is someone who's not just um, not just saying, here's what I think, here's what I think, here's what I think, but someone who is allowing the group as a whole to move in the right direction yeah. and to justify, in a sense, their thoughts and their opinions by calling back to Scripture or other parts of Scripture, whether it's a passage locally or a passage globally. Yeah. Is that accurate? I think it's important that we come back and we address the principles of just being a facilitator. Yeah. So like, if we can camp there at some point in the conversation, I think that that is important. But I think for now, what is necessary to know is that the facilitator's job is to create the structure for moving forward and to keep things within doctrinal white lines. So they can't be, they can't slough off in their own personal study. They have to be really familiar with the passage because they need to make sure that the Bible study doesn't convert to Pentecostalism accidentally in the middle of the Bible study. Yeah. Or like, you know, or that the group is, wow, the group just before my eyes just became Calvinistic. Like right. they have to be able to protect against doctrinal error or, or misconceptions that people might have about the text Um so, so, so what this means is that the facilitator in preparation has already studied the passage and they've thought about it, not just from their perspective, as in uh, what does this passage mean and do I understand it, but what are trouble areas that I know that someone is going to yeah. have a question yes. and that they need to come prepared in a way to guide the group to appropriate conclusions. That's absolutely right. Gotcha. And, uh, and the cool thing is that if, as you have growing leaders, they can study that way too. You invite other people to study that way because they can help promote that facilitation as well, or at least be able to provide insightful and correct information, right, right. concerning God's word. And so as you see leadership developing, the Bible study as a whole kind of follows along and recognizes that their responsibility is to leave a, lead a conversation that is discovery-oriented. In the context of tonight's Bible study, we are going to help people discover what the text says. Right. And everybody owns that if they if they own Bible study, you know, they have a part in in, in that. In terms of the the layout of the night, after they've chunked the passages, they've gone through those sections and they've studied them as a group. Um, you know, you kind of promote, especially with people, you want them to take notes and they you want them to follow along. You've got people helping newer people. You know, they've got their Bible out and they're like, I don't know where Isaiah is. And, and so <laughs> right. can, can you show me where this book is or how do I find it? And they're helping people, right? And by the end of the night, once you've worked through the passage, you, uh, as, the, as the leader, determine, um, okay, now we've got to carve out space for application. And you begin by being the example. You say, okay, tonight we're going we're gonna to talk about the things that we learned tonight. And tonight, this is what God showed me. Now, that could be something that's doctrinal. Mm-hmm. That could be something that is inspirational. 
you know, like I, I believe that God showed me tonight that this needs to change in my life, that there's this thing I need to repent of. Um, as the facilitator, you don't have the option of being incredibly vulnerable, right? Right. Uh, right. I think you have to protect the flock in that way. There's some wisdom. That there's some happen, wisdom yeah. and discretion that needs to be used. Yeah. Uh, if you've, you're convicted about something that's big, then you should go up you need the to ladder. Speak up. Yeah, yeah speak yeah. up versus down. Um, but I think the, the leader does need to lead by example. Mm-hmm. Man, God's calling me I, clearly from this passage. I need to take my prayer life more seriously. And so I want, I want you guys to know that that's what I'm walking away with tonight. And then you work your way around the circle. Everyone in the group has something that God showed them from his word. Even lost people, you know, say things, yeah. you know, and they're like, well, I feel like I learned such and such tonight. And, and then let them participate at whatever level they feel comfortable sharing like that. Um, it might be hard for them. Yeah. Um, but each time that they show up to the small group, over time, you'll see them becoming more candid yeah. about what they're learning. And it'll be, more, you know, it'll actually be more explicit in their life. You know, it, they'll be learning more deep things. And, uh, and then someone prays over the group and then the night's over and you've, you've had a, a, a Bible study. And it takes... Uh, to get everything to fit in prayer and, and fellowship. And it takes an hour and a half to two hours to, yeah. to conduct it. So, so part of that is that the facilitator needs to be aware of the time and yeah. make sure that we're allocating our time yes. to the appropriate, you know, functions of the Bible yeah. study. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't always easy. You, you'll make mistakes, you'll go long or whatever it is, but you need to be aware of people's time. Cause there ain't, you know, if we're talking about Bible study, there ain't no working class individual that wants to stay at your house till till 10, 10.30 at night when they've got to wake up at 5 a.m. That's the quickest way to get someone to never come back to your yes. Bible study. Is say, to make, it, say it louder for the people in the back. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, it's true important. for young people too. You know, well, we're young, you know, just because you're the Bible study leader and you don't have a job yeah. because you're a college student yeah. doesn't mean that you get to be, abuse everybody else. Um, by holding them hostage in your Bible study till 10 o'clock at night. That's, that is important. And we got to be careful with that because we prefer other people over ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we want people to come back. That's right. Also, I like your, your, your young person voice. Do I, did I use a young You're person? You're young. That's what she said. Oh yeah. Did yeah. I get higher? Yeah. Just a little oh, bit. I didn't realize I do that. Yeah. Great I, job. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't know I did, did voices, yeah. but I have, I know I have a nerd voice that I use when I preach sometimes. Mm-hmm. I basically sound, this. And I think it sounds basically just, it's just me trying to imitate you. Thank you. Um, this no. is a compliment <laughs> to me. No. And then there's like a, there's like a suburban white girl voice okay. that I have that I perfected in my years of teaching high school in the summer. Okay. That I, right. I will bust that out from time to time. I, I, I will not request that you do that now. I won't do it. But I'll go back through your back catalog at okay, some point right. and I'll find it. Or if our, if our dear listeners or watchers. You know, ever want to visit Kaya, Kaya's website and find and Suburban find that, White Girl. Then, send that to you. Yeah. I don't even know if we do that on this podcast. I probably, I probably use that voice every, you know, five to six months it shows up. Okay. So cool. They're in there somewhere. It's like, this is our first Easter egg. It's like we're, we're, we're dropping things oh, for yeah, the listener. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Tight. We're expanding our, <laughs> the podcast platform. Oh my gosh! Uh, let's let 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 let's expand or contract our conversation back okay. to discovery bubble yes. methods. So yeah. I don't get us too off. Okay. Um, so let's talk about uh, the role of this facilitator. Um, a couple things that I want you to help us to understand. First yeah. is what are some of the things that a facilitator is actively doing, 
And the second is, uh, I think that we make a distinction between a facilitator and a teacher. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could kind of help us understand that as well. Yeah. So if you're a Bible study leader, uh, you have to study. I mean, you've, you've got to study the word, um, but you aren't studying to teach people. Mm-hmm. You are studying to lead people to study. Like that's the biggest difference. Yeah. And so I think for a lot of Bible studies that come from our ilk, you know, plants that were uh, church plants that are similar to ours or, or came up the way that ours did, I think it's common for Bible studies to just be full of teachers. Yeah. And the leader is the chief teacher and everybody's teaching one another. Mm-hmm. And we get lots of teaching um, as it is. And there's a place for that. And there's a place for that. Yeah. There's a there's a need for that. And people should be, growing leaders should be studying to teach in some context, especially men. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need more men that know how to handle God's word and, and who can teach it um, with confidence. But if you want your Bible studies to be evangelical, then the leader's responsibility isn't to teach. It's to study in order to teach the group how to study the passage, mm-hmm. to walk them through how to study it. And so they're not developing answers, even though they have the answers, right? They're, they study and they know what God's word says and they feel confident in the, in the outcomes and in their in what they've gathered, but they're developing the questions necessary to get people to those same conclusions. Right. And uh, so you have a, an end objective in mind and you're working backwards in your design to establish the questions that are leading for people and allow them to go and, and to discover uh, what God's word said. Yeah. And, uh, it's not, you know, it's what it's what is taught in a high school classroom setting. This is the best kinds of teachers do this. They they create an environment where students are learning through discovery mm-hmm. uh, versus just being lectured at. And uh, there's a huge difference between uh, studying for the test to have yeah. the right answer yeah. versus studying for discovery and mastery. And, and you want people to discover something so that they, can, they have the tools necessary to continue to discover things. Let's take a moment right here to hear from Pastor Mike Renault of Living Faith Boston. Hi, I'm Mike Renault, pastor at Living Faith in Boston, Massachusetts. And if you're considering learning the Word of God, Living Faith Bible Institute would be a good place for you. The good thing about LFBI is that you're not just learning from an academic standpoint. You're learning from actual practitioners that do in fact know the book. These are pastors and men who are leading churches, doing the work themselves, since they can give you a firsthand real life knowledge of what it means to learn the Bible in that context. Some of you may have a call in your life for the pastorate uh, to be a missionary, to serve the Lord in other parts of the world. Living Faith Bible Institute can prepare you in a way that you can be equipped with the Word of God and given practical tools, being held accountable in your ministry right where you're at. If you're interested in learning more or you want to enroll in LFBI, go to lfbi.org. So the, the, the best way for people to retain information, mm-hmm. what you're saying is yeah. not for us to say, here's what the answer is but rather to take the question that's being asked and ask a question that helps the group as a whole come to the correct answer. And then yes. they've done the work for themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
That's the beauty of it is that as the facilitator, you get to watch it unfold before your very eyes. Okay, guys, we're going to take the next five minutes and we're going to study out this word, or we're going to try to find two verse references or two narratives in scripture that support the concept that we're looking at right now in God's word. And then when they find it and they come back as a group, people are presenting these different ideas. You're literally the same thing that your pastor is doing every, hopefully not Saturday night at midnight, <laughs> right? But every week they are studying with the intention of expositing God's word and, and being able to present that to you. And they're doing all of these things. You're doing that exact same thing as a group. Yeah. You know, right before your very eyes, a, a sermon is unfolding yeah. right in front of you. And I think that's another key thing um, uh, before you continue with that thought. A key thing to kind of make known is that this is an immediately transferable skill. Mm -hmm. as it relates to how it is that you would put together a sermon, how it is that you study the Bible for yourself. Yeah. So if you just, if you do the bare minimum of attend, pay attention and remember, then you're going to have a practical way in which to do the exact same thing in a different context mm -hmm. and see uh, similar results, yeah. Lord willing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not easy to do. The, the, if, you've been, if you've come up as a teacher-oriented Bible study leader, or participant, mm -hmm. it's really difficult to break yourself of those habits because when there is an awkward, silent moment in the small group the and, no, and no one's participating, yeah. what we do is instead of asking another better question uh, that is more accessible and easy, easier for people to understand or be more pointed and say, Van, actually, would you specifically, would you answer this question mm -hmm. and work it at getting people through that, that, hump that difficult moment, uh, what we do is we revert back to teaching. Yeah. Now, there might be a, times for that. There might be, if you get off the doctrinal road and things are going the wrong direction, you might need to teach in order to get back to where you need to be. But the way that this Bible study is supposed to work, you really aren't supposed to just camp out and start teaching on the stuff that, well, oh, it looks like no one knows what to do right now. So let me, uh, well, let me just tell you. Yeah. And then you start that there's a place for that. It's just not this approach. That's no. a different approach to studying the Bible. And, and that really is an indication that the facilitator is uncomfortable with the silence. And mm -hmm. so for them, in order to feel like it's going better, they'll just move on rather than saying some people have, you know, a weird thinking face and they're all making it right now. Mm -hmm. And I just need mm -hmm. to wait or to your point, ask a more pointed question. Yeah. And maybe give people time to prep. Maybe, hey, I want to talk about this particular theme. And Jeremy, I want to get your thoughts on this in just a moment as we continue to yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Giving people time to prepare, to think, and then maybe answer and respond. Yes, yeah. So so giving them space. Yeah, because if you drop a big question on people in a group setting, yeah. and then you just expect them to have an answer, yeah. that doesn't always go well. Yeah, if you right? ask Jeremy about Melchizedek. Yeah, it, right, or whatever, you know. And and there's and the thing is it also promotes the know-it-alls mm -hmm. in the group to turn into teachers, yeah. which is also what you don't want. You don't want the know-it-alls in the group. Every small group has these people that bogart all the time. And you have to regulate that. And you do that by giving everyone space to think about before you're expecting the answer. Um, because you know, whoever it is that's the know-it-all is going to give you a pat answer anyway, or they're going to wax eloquent about something that they don't really know that much about. They just want to be heard. This is their opportunity to be heard. You can regulate that by asking the question, 
showing them how to derive the answer, turning them loose to do the research, and then bringing them back in, and, and you've already established who is or isn't going to answer the question. So you, you ask the question pointedly mm -hmm. to an individual yeah. and let them answer it. And so you really do have to control the, the movement or the momentum yeah. of, of the group. There's a pacing and you want to work the entire room, you know, and invite people so that everyone's participating. Everyone needs to be involved. That's one of the beauties of, of Discovery Bible Method. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you, you've got a facilitator. Mm -hmm. They've got questions prepared ahead of time. They're asking these questions to try and get everyone to particular conclusions, make sure that we're in the right doctrinal lines. But there are going to be times where, man, uh, asking someone what they think about this is not going to, in a succinct or helpful way, get people to understand a particular concept. Mm -hmm. So when are the moments when someone does need to teach something for a specific purpose? Yeah. So there are certain things that the... Um, there really probably isn't always space for in the group. So like historical context is something that I've realized that facilitators have to be very aware of because historical context isn't always at the tips, the, the fingertips of the, the student, right? You might be able to provide background pertaining to Paul's imprisonment when he wrote this letter, for instance. And, and here is where he was at in his life and his journey in following the Lord and this is where the church was at in terms of, you know, their own development. And this is why it took on this tone or whatever it might be. Um, obviously, you know, historical things are something that, that the facilitator, if they have time in advance of preparing for, they, they'll be more familiar with that than the average person that's attending the Bible study. So I, I think holding on to that, being able to remind people of context as a whole, doctrinal context, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the three types of application, keeping those in your back pocket and ready to direct people, you know, if there's a, if there's a prophetic thing that's in the text, again, that's the type of thing that sometimes is harder, unless you have time to devote to it, it's a harder thing to study out. And so being able to, at any given moment say, well, here's the prophetic context of this passage. I just want to point this out to make it clear. And as we study, uh, we're going to be able to stay in those doctrinal white lines. If we know that this has a future application in such and such way. Okay, now let's begin to study and look at blah, 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 blah. So, so even in the context of teaching, it's to get back to facilitation. Mm -hmm. It's so that we can have a productive meeting and not just have a you know, persistent question mark about this particular thing. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And you know, there's a lot of things about that that are difficult. And um, facilitating is, is hard and learning to ask good questions is hard. But one of the things that I recognize about Christ and the Gospels is that, that Christ did his best teaching. I mean, all of his teaching was great, but the majority of his teaching and the thing that he emphasized was the use of question asking in order to promote further conversation. Mm -hmm. Like he always began these diatribes with, with good questions of his audience, uh, particularly the smaller the group got. Who do you, you know? say I am? Yeah, exactly. When you when he got in front of smaller audiences, the more question asking he did. Well, what is a small audience? A Bible study is a small audience. And so I think that there's value in terms of learning and learning in, in the facilitator learning how to answer or ask good questions. Yeah. That the question asking is a fantastic skill set to have as an instructor. Absolutely.
So we've talked about a couple of challenges. What about, you know, we hold to uh, the King James Version as the standard for mm-hmm. English-speaking people. And if your Bible study is going to be evangelistic, then you're going to get some people that don't have a familiarity with the Bible. Maybe you have other Christians that aren't currently in a church, and they're going to bring an ESV or an NASB. Uh, how do we handle when people bring other translations yeah. in a way that that doesn't drive them away? Yeah. So... I- this is a good question. It always comes up. You know, every year we teach Discovery Bible Method at Mission Focus. Without fail, this is a question that comes up. I think the first thing is always have extra Bibles on hand. And um, so a Bible study leader should have three or four extra Bibles on hand. And and that way, when people show up without one, you're gifting them one. This mm-hmm. is this is something that they can walk away with. This is now your Bible. And that's that's a generous and, the, and a right thing to do is to put the word of God in, in the hands of people who don't have it. Most people, especially young people, aren't thinking twice. They don't even know the KJV issue. That's something, that's something that seminarians um, and people who've been around too long um, get hung up on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, they, they, they fight about that. But young people don't tend to have much complaint. Uh, if you say this is the Bible we're using, and and over time they learn why we use the one that we use, when, you know, when they discover that that's a thing. But I think for people who are coming from a church background where they use a different version and they show up and they've got their NIV or whatever it might be, ESV is the common one right now with young people is that they're carrying ESVs. What we do is we just let them know that we study using the King James, and we do that because it's it becomes very difficult to study when everyone is studying from a text that says something different. Um, So this one uses this word or this phraseology, and then this one says this way. Now we're, now we're having a conversation about the differentiation in the way that it's worded versus actually what God said and what it means. And so in order to reduce that kind of dialogue and to be single-minded, we're going to use the KJV. Here's your own copy, by the way. Mm -hmm. And, um, Welcome to Bible study. And most people are cool with that. And I think to the point that you made earlier, if you've set up your Bible study in such a way where there's food, there's Mm -hmm. an an environment and an atmosphere where people are excited that they're there, well, after that, you're not going to get too much pushback from people that say, I don't want to read your stupid book or anything. They're they're normally normally pretty okay. Yeah, yeah. And and if there is persistent issue with it, you invite someone out to coffee and you sit down and talk about our position— and then you let them work through it. You know, uh, they can be working through that and still use KJV when they come to meet with you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not a thing. Um, at least for most people, I hope it's not. And and then they can make a decision for themselves. You know, ultimately they get to choose where they want to go to church and where they want to invest. And if they've got a, a different, you know, heritage uh, in terms of the teaching on this, and and they they want to stay with that, you know, we're not going to force anybody to be a part of our Bible studies. Mm-hmm. So. Um, our again, our primary objective is to be evangelical. Um, if we get disciples along the way that are churchless and don't have a home, and we can make disciples out of them, mm-hmm. um, then that's awesome. But we're not. The objective isn't to poach people from other churches, and the objective isn't to, um, you know, force people into some sort of baptistic or or theological position. Um, that we hold to, yeah. they get to choose. And if they choose to be with us, this is the direction we're going. So with that goal in mind of, of having Bible studies be evangelistic, how mm-hmm. have you seen that as yeah. a result of using a method like discovery? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, 
we have Bible studies strategically placed throughout the city. Some are on campuses, some are in neighborhoods, some focus on campuses, some focus on neighborhoods. The committed members of those Bible studies uh, are know that they're responsible for inviting people, that people aren't going to get exposed to the word of God unless they invite. And so, um, you know, we had a text message in the, in the leaders chat this week uh, about there's a group of, there's a Bible study of about five women that meet in Raytown. And they have, they were going to have four visitors at their hangout. And yeah. so we do hangouts every other week. They're kind of optional for yeah. people. You know, they might have a craft night or a board game night, or they might go out to get coffee or they, they, they have some sort of activity that is conducive to having visitors come. And they were going to have four visitors that night. Pray for our relationships, pray for these connections and pray that we can funnel them into the, the Bible study next week. And so these are, this is the constant conversation. This is the ongoing dialogue among the Bible study leaders and those who are committed in Bible study. And they know that they have a responsibility to go seek the lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, if there's an opportunity when you, you get to know someone to present the Bible to them or to present the gospel to them confrontationally, take advantage of that. You know, uh, you want to see someone get saved. You know, today is the day of salvation, Absolutely. right? But, but how awesome is it to establish someone um, in God's word and over a matter of three or four months, they come to a conclusive position that the word of God is divine and yeah. that Jesus Christ is the way to salvation. And the effect of that, it's, you know, praise the Lord if someone gives their life to God the moment that they hear the mm-hmm. gospel. But for someone that's been coming to a Bible study and that's the way they got saved, I would imagine that they see the value of fellowship and the value of discipleship in a different way yeah. than the person that just raises their hand off the street and says, yes and amen, let's go. Yeah, it's almost as though, I mean, we know better than this, but but it's almost as though discipleship has already begun in their life, mm-hmm. right? Because they've, they have, through experience, already been a part of an ecclesiastic body. <laughs> you know, they're mm-hmm. like, they are already meeting for church in some regard before they got saved. They recognize uh what it looks like for someone to be sanctified. They have examples all around them of people who are growing in their faith. They see that for what it is. They understand uh, the structure of a church because they're submitting to an authority that's the leader of the small group. Uh, there's, there's, they understand the importance of prayer because mm-hmm. you've been doing that for weeks or months. Yeah. So there's all these things that they're gleaning in some cases, even before they've accepted Jesus Christ. So it's a natural transition into discipleship from that place. And we have seen countless numbers of people accept Christ through Bible study. And um, some of them soon, um, some of them later, some of them months. Um, You know, one of our leaders, his brother-in-law started attending Bible study and he attended for probably six months before he professed Christ. Um, And and so there's these, I I could, we don't have time, but I could go experience after experience after experience of people who, who, when they get exposed to God's word and it's opened, and it's established that the book is divine mm-hmm. and that it has answers, right? That are sufficient for my life. Yeah. And there's a solution to my sin problem here. There are few people who remain blind. Mm-hmm. They see it. They see it. Yeah. Things become clear. God's word has a way of just the fog of, of years of experience from an atheistic perspective or a secular perspective, those things, that fog begins to lift 
And then suddenly they can see Christ for who he truly is. And then, and they're ready. They're all, and they're already a part of a community. It's a beautiful thing to watch happen over and over again. I hope I never take it for granted. Yeah. yeah it's very exciting. So then shifting maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we, we've talked about the result and the goal of evangelistic Bible studies, but there's also kind of a, a double duty of growing the leaders that you have. Yeah. If they're paying attention, they're seeing how a Bible study is facilitated and hopefully they're they're taking that, they're internalizing it, and it's envisioning them to be able to do the same one day. Mm-hmm. What are some ways in which you've seen Discovery Bible Method grow the individuals, the Christians, into Bible study leaders themselves? You're a good example of that. Mm-hmm. So when you first showed up, um, well, actually, the second time you showed up, if yeah. we're going to be technical. Yeah, yeah. You were around for a minute. And then I bailed. You, you ducked out. Yeah. And then, but you came back and yeah. when you were finding your way back, I invited you to come to, to Bible study mm-hmm. because I knew that there was value. And if you studied the Bible, that it would, you would be fast tracking yourself to being completely in. Um, but I think you saw over time how being a part of Bible study um, prepared you for the next stage of ministry life. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I remember getting invited to your Bible study, and this was, I think, we were still doing SOT, and we had, because I, I remember transitioning over to Discovery Bible Method, mm-hmm. but I remember, I remember Eric Phillips came with the study, and I, I can't tell you what it's about, but I was like, I don't know how you get all that out of there. Like, I have no idea right. how you did that. It was a magic yeah. trick. Yeah, and um, there was something about coming together and not having our opinions, but actually expounding upon what the text said and then making it actionable. Mm -hmm. So for someone like me, who is uh, a nerd by nature, that'd be a great shirt, nerdy by nature. Um, (laughs) What I like is data. I love it because it's objective. But then to see how different men were... Uh, taking that data and saying, well, well, what do I do with this? If it just stays theoretical, well, then, you know, if you like studying the Bible and doing nothing else with it, then great Monday night. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, you, you mentioned this earlier, but it came to the point to where when Brian Bustos was going to start a Bible study, you know, I came along to assist him. And then eventually uh, springing off and starting another one at Faith Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And for for me, it gave a clear pattern. And I think one of the things that we may have mentioned, but the discovery Bible method isn't like a magic pill. It doesn't solve no. everything. No. And if you do all the things right, it doesn't make a good Bible study. No, It's just a way of systematizing the study of God's Word so that the Holy Spirit can work through what you're actually lifting up mm-hmm. out of the Word. Mm-hmm. And the end result is that you're more equipped. Yeah. And I think, you know, like we talk about with discipleship, if if you ask someone, well, how's discipleship with this person going? I, I always want to say, well, you know, go talk to them in five years and see where they're at. We'll see right. how it went. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And to see individuals that started coming to a Bible study, uh, one individual I think about in particular who was as timid as timid can be. You know, when people ask you questions, and the question, their, their eyes say, hey, is this right? And also, am I a horrible person? Did I get it right? They're just yeah. very timid. Yeah, sure. Going from that point to, um, hey, bro, can you outline this passage for us? And they, it's not, it's not rocket science. 
but they've submitted themselves to a process and they've invested mm-hmm. and they've just paid attention. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's, that's what happened for me at yeah. least. And I think what you said is really important is, is that though discovery Bible method is conducive to evangelism and it is conducive to promoting growth in God's word and teaching the principles of Bible study, it does that. But if it's not paired with a philosophy of reproduction, mm-hmm where the members of the small group can see that the goal is to start another Bible study and another Bible study and another Bible study in order to reach more people and more people and more people, then I I think something gets lost and the beauty of it begins to dissipate, right? Like if it... If it gets stuck or it's in a rut and they don't, they're not seeing people come in and people aren't being invited and there isn't a vision among the members to, to go out and to, to seek the lost or to, to start that new Bible study. Look, we're, you know, we're running 12. It's my living room's packed. (laughs) It's time for so-and-so to step up and to take half of you and start another Bible study in another part of our city. If there isn't that missional part, then I think the, the ministry part gets it it diminishes over yeah. time it's like in in jesus name i want to kick you out of my house at some point yes but with that you are going equipped mm-hmm. and the reason why you're being sent out not just that you're leaving or it's it's not just purely a logistical issue it's it's an issue of we, we're being so fruitful yeah that we need to split yeah. and this is one, the way i approach it too because the way it works is i will have the bible study leader address the group by sprinkling in, look, we're, the group's getting big. We have to anticipate that there's going to, at some point, we're going to have to divide the group and start a new one. And so-and-so is the other leader. And I just want you to be aware, we need to be prayerful about where things are going, that God is doing something awesome. And, and we, we have to prepare our hearts for that. So let's be prayerful about it. But at the point we know that that division is coming and we're, gonna, we're going to, to reproduce, uh, I have all of the Bible study members in that group come together and we have a send off meeting where we cry together and we pray together and, um, and we talk about what it's going to look like. I give them space to ask questions and then we launch them out and it becomes official. It's like a thing. It's like a birthing moment where mm-hmm. it's like, let's, let's go through the labor and let's, let's really pray for this and, and make sure that we all understand the vision. And then one day, that Bible study will spawn another Bible study and we will continue to do this until there's hundreds of them all over our city and all over our world is really, you know, um, the goal. So what would you say then maybe to, you know, the individual who's listening to all this, they're bought in, they're, they're, they're maybe leading a Bible study themselves. They're using discovery Bible method, but it's kind of a grind. Mm -hmm. Like they're struggling. What, what would you say to encourage them to continue? Well, it depends on what it is you know, maybe they're getting in the way. Like what is causing there to be a grind? You know, um, maybe they're just not doing something right. And if that's tr- that's the case, reach out to me and we'll talk through it. I don't, I don't mind doing that. I want to help people um, to, be, to be successful leaders. And, uh, but also, is, it, is there an issue of prayer? Because, um, you know, I, I mentioned this at the beginning, I can't emphasize the prayer part enough. Doing the right things isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. The power of Christ has to be in the midst and you invite him to do that. He's not obligated to do it. You invite him to do it. And when you do is, I mean, we know for a fact that Christ is willing, is a willing participant. His spirit is a willing participant. And so we take time uh, in our groups to pray 
And we do the th this thing, uh, we call it prayer after prayer. After the prayer meeting on Tuesday nights, we gather to pray specifically for souls in, um, in the balcony. And so a bunch of the Kaya members will go up there and they'll just be praying for souls that God would use their small groups to reach this part of the city or that part of the city. And they just pray for, for souls. And I do believe that that part is huge. Mm. And so wanting to be evangelistic is different than doing the things and believing the things necessary to be evangelistic. It's a very high and lofty talk, but you have to get on your knees. You know, it's a, it's a lowly endeavor. And, and so we have to trust the Lord in order to get it done. And so that's probably for a lot of people, that's the hangup is that they're not actually going before the Lord and inviting him to lead them. They're trying to employ a mechanism and whether it's discovery Bible method or anything else, no mechanism does the trick. Yeah. And even if it does, it'll only be a facade. Yeah. It'll only be a facade for something that will crumble very quickly. It'll, the roots will, will dry up and it'll, it'll die. You need, you need the spirit of the Lord to do the work. And so we, we ask for that. Um, so those would probably be the two main things that I can see, foresee people having a hard time with. Yeah. Brandon, it's been a great conversation. I hope, I hope it's been beneficial. I think, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot, but I think, you know, uh, a commitment to studying the Bible and being on our knees and just asking the Lord to move before, mm -hmm. during, and after. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing. Yeah, of course. And, I, and I'll uh, make sure that we get some resources, like a PDF or two on how to do this up with the podcast. So on the postscriptshow.com uh, with the episode notes. There'll be, there'll be other resources that people can utilize if they, if they want them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, man. And we also want to thank you for joining us on this episode of The Postscript. Uh, if you have questions, uh, feel free to visit lfbi.org. Pastor Brandon also talked about on thepostscriptshow.com. There'll be resources there for you. And as well as uh, lffellowship.org, we talk about uh, this Discovery Bible Method, Every Mission Focus. And so the video of, of last year's Mission Focus Conference, as well as the podcast, uh, Living Faith Fellowship Conferences. You'll get video, you'll get audio, you'll get lots of experience. We pray that it's a blessing and we pray that the Lord is with you as you study God's Word. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.